So, mm. we've been given a present. We don't often get presents from listeners, but but we've got one. And um, and from the absolutely fabulous and lovely James and Rachel, who went mm-hmm. who were perusing their secondhand shop, their charity shop, and saw this and said and they said they thought immediately of us. And it's a bird watching guide, knowing our love of birds. And it's called What Bird Did That? And it is a pictorial <laughs> guide to identifying birds via their um, what can only be described as splats or excrement. Oh, wow. <laughs> so look, the peregrine falcon, spectacular splat, the kestrel, the partridge, the pheasant, the song thrush, the blue... T- it's got them all there. It is purely... a gu- Look at that. I'm going to have to put oh. some pictures on our Facebook page. But that is the amazing world of uh, identifying birds through their splats. So James and Rachel, we are humbled and honoured to have such a gift. <laughs> this is amazing. And, and two things. One, I've got something to share about that a bit later on. But two, it means that when we go out bird watching together, yeah. we can just come back in and check our heads. Yeah, exactly. And identify more birds. <laughs> yeah. It might just flown over, might have missed it. But no, there'll be evidence. <laughs> Fantastic. Welcome everybody to episode 229 of the Midfaith Crisis podcast, Denmark's 16th most popular Christian podcast. Whoa. I tell you, we have gone up 184 places in the last week. In Denmark. In Denmark. So how many people would that be listening to us in Denmark, would you estimate? Broadly, broadly. Well, I don't know. Three? I don't know. (laughs) As many as three people now. Well, I think if you go up 184 places, you kind of think it must have taken quite a small uh, increase to have achieved that. Because otherwise we've suddenly gained... What, a million new listeners or something in Denmark? (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah, uh, well, thank you. And hello to everybody listening in Denmark. How lovely. Yes, hello. Welcome. Please do write in. Actually, we'd love to hear from you, all three of you. (laughs) That'd be fantastic. Uh, Yeah, and uh, my name's Nick Page, and there's Joe Davis. Oh, yes. So there is. (laughs) Here we are, eventually. It's fair to say, yet again, Mm. we've had a slightly fraught journey to this point in terms of... uh, technical issues it has but we, we we we're breaking the back of them now i really feel it <laughs> there's very few things left to unplug or plug <laughs> in i tell you what it has done for me yeah. it's given me immense and increased respect for people in it departments yes indeed god bless you all or on customer support lines because uh, your patience must be legendary um, speaking as joe's it carer as i am yes. anyway <laughs> Exactly right. We're here now, and how yeah. are you, my friend? <laughs> well, I'm okay. I had a, a lovely weekend away in Bournemouth, it has to be said, uh, with uh, the lovely uh, woman to whom I'm married. So that was that was really nice, and mm-hmm. uh, and we saw some lovely birds in the New Forest and uh, Hengersbury Head. And, um... Oh, I also had lots of emails in from listeners saying they liked The Bank of Dave. Oh. So that was the recommendation. Have you watched Bank of Dave yet on Netflix? Of course not. Well, it's a wonderful film and our listeners can't be wrong about that. So it's not me just saying that now, it's our listeners. So No, but I sort of take the view that if you've recommended it, 
you know, do I really want to watch it? I don't know, really. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I am calming down after my rant. You'll be glad to know. Oh, yes. Uh, I, in fact, I saw an, an article uh, on the uh, the interweb. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's a device for um, getting news feeds. And, uh, yes, and yes. I read this. I read this one for the, on the Premier Christianity. I don't know why I haven't. I, you know, I don't know why that appeared in my feed, but it was. Um, it was uh, basically an article on Justin Welby and how terrible he is and, and, and what a catastrophic thing he has done. So it really backed up what you were saying last week, that he's actually made a huge move forward. Mm. It might not be as far as other people. And I did find myself feeling genuinely sorry for him. It reminded me of something that one of our listeners had written in one of his books, Pull the Shirt, and um, or Sumo Guy, uh, for those uh, who know him that way. And uh, Pull the Shirt said, you know, there is a foolproof way to avoid criticism. And this is foolproof. And it's mm. brilliant. I mean, if you would like to live your life with no criticism, he says, here's how you do it. You do absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you, you, you make sure you be nothing. And, yes. and you will not get any criticism. But the minute you stick your, your head up above the paraplete, you know, then it's, um, yeah. Paraplete? That's not right. I didn't say the right word there. Did you say head above the paraclete? Yeah, the paraclete, yes. Which is the, the Holy Spirit, I believe. Yeah, or a small parrot. Um, yes, head above the Always paraclete. Keeps saying, yeah. I think the word is parapet. Thank you. That's yeah. what I meant to say. But by all means, stick your head above the paraclete. Yes, or the paraclete. I mean, that would be going some. If you do stick your head above the parakeet, you could then identify said parakeet from uh, whatever <laughs> it drops on you. So that's. So anyway, all is well. And I don't know about you, but like January and February, they're sort of, you know, very busy months. And mm. I'm grateful for, you know, digging deep into those disciplines, being able to walk on the beach, see the sunrises and, you know, just as we have said many times before, the redeemed quiet time. Is just so mm. valuable, I think, in terms of your own mental well-being at this stage of the game, uh, which has stopped. I think ordinarily I would be feeling a bit more stressed than I am. <laughs> but uh, thank the Lord, I'm not. Mm. So there we go. I'm oh, good, good, thank you. How are you? Well, I am quite stressed. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. For a number of reasons. But I think it's just, it's funny, isn't it? it the, the whole moving thing, really. And uh, Yeah. And people's sort of behavior and just this there's nothing major but it's just a constant sort of low level stress is so sapping isn't it and yeah. and i know yeah. many of our listeners have experience of it you know if you're in a job that's stressful on that level it's just so tiring um yeah. so it's not like it's major sort of trauma but i feel quite sort of tired um it's it sort of pushed me back on some habits which is which are good mm. uh prayer particularly and, um, you know, I, I, I've really taken to heart that um, it's called the prayer of St. Patrick. It's nothing to do with St. Patrick, but um, that's another issue. No, obviously. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but, you know, the Christ before me. I've, you know, I've been oh, going yeah. into situations and thinking, right, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ to my left, Christ to my right, Christ mm. in the mouths of those who speak to me, Christ in my heart. I, I mm. bind to myself. Mm. you know the trinity and and i found that you know just that image of being surrounded by christ really helpful and um 
you know, I, I just that's what I'm trying to do. Wow. I think Christ, Christ is sort of going before me into these situations, or that's what I'm praying anyway. So it's it's pretty. Brilliant. So it's good in that way. Uh, what else has been happening? Oh well, the murmuration. Now this is what I want to talk about because yeah. I've got a coat that. Were it necessary, you could identify the bird. Oh, really? From. The, the starlings. I'm going to yes, say starling. That's... <laughs> yeah, that's the issue. It's not really that necessary to Let identify. Let me look up because... the starling and, and I can okay. tell you whether it is actually, you know, see whether you identify it. Carry on. You'll have to describe the, the shape. Well, the murmuration in, in Ensham is amazing. At about half four, almost, it's got bigger and bigger. And um, I think one estimate was about 23,000, 30,000 birds. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, thank you Is for it? holding that up. Yeah, very much, <laughs> very much on my coat. Um, and, in fact, if you go up the road where, uh, where it's sort of happening, where yeah. they're, they're all basically going into a couple of trees. I mean, this is tens of thousands of birds going. Yeah, it's extraordinary. And, and, and um, if you go up the road, I've never seen so many cars in need of a car wash. You know, they're yeah. just I mean, covered. Yeah, they make their presence felt, don't they? Yeah. And um, this morning, uh, I, I was walking uh, our dog, Bill, and um, about 7.30, and they all left at that point. Oh, and brilliant. they flew right over my head. And it was you could, the, the, you could hear the beating of the wings. It's astonishing. Yeah. It's an astonishing spectacle. And the great thing is loads of people have been there. You know, you go up there, there's about 40 people standing watching it. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, it's great stuff. That's great. So that's do, good. Do you know, very often in the mornings on the beach... I'm there when the starlings all leave. And is that, you right. say they whiz past and you hear the you hear flap of yeah. the wings. It's just fantastic. Yeah, it's a sort of rustling. It's amazing. Oh, that's beautiful. That so that's been beautiful. beautiful. I watched that over the weekend a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, I'm very excited because the rugby's back. I like the rugby. Is that cause for excitement? Um, I, interesting change of management, obviously, in, the, in a few of our nations, um, the, for the Welsh and the English. And uh, yeah. I think it's a very. I think it'll be a very interesting um, tournament this year. I, I just like it. Yeah. You know, I lie down, have a beer, watch the telly. You lie get, down. Well, you know, lie on the sofa watching it. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I just just had visions of you just lying down. In well, a... in a pub somewhere. Well, that yeah, happens that's right. sometimes. <laughs> Uh, yeah so uh yeah i'm excited about that so that's me really yeah yeah good well look before we come on to feedback can i just say i i thought about this this week and i thought i must say this to nick and this is what i wanted to say to you i've been thinking january is yeah. totally the wrong time to make resolutions it's totally the wrong time even i think to set themes if you right. do okay. that interesting yeah because i think this january and february are tough they're cold. It's a dreadful time to diet. You should probably put on a bit of weight because, you know, you're going to need that. For, mm. So why why do we do it? In, it's such an arbitrary thing, isn't it? January the 1st, you know, just happens to be when we decide to start a new year. But, I, you know, when I worked for the church, we always really took the, the year as starting in September. Not because we were following the academic year, but because it just sort of seemed to make sense to us. Everyone's had the summer, the holidays and everything. And now we're really thinking about a new focus. And I think that the right time to think about setting resolutions or themes or whatever it is you're doing is um, is probably March. March, when spring is starting to show signs of coming and, you know, there's buds on Mm. trees and everything. And that's the time. So that's my way of saying don't expect me to have any more further reflections on my themes until March because I'm going to be too busy anyway and it's cold and it's dark still and yeah. Well, 
you know, I think this is a brilliant insight. Blimey. Didn't expect that. <laughs> That's not something I've said very often uh, after you've said something. I, I think... Or indeed ever. You're right, because actually, January, February, you're still trying to get through, as it were, last year, aren't you? Exactly. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're trying to make it through to the start. Yes. And the other reason why I think it's a brilliant insight is because actually... It, it that's our history for centuries the new year started in britain on march 25th did it yeah we only changed it in 1752 well let's hang on <laughs> change it back that makes perfect sense well i try not to fall asleep but let me tell you a little bit of the history oh he's gone already <laughs> no it's really it's it's quite interesting yeah. so in in um Sort of early Roman times. This is very potted history, and I go I do get confused over it sometimes. But in early Roman times, March twenty fifth was seen as the, the the start of the new year, or sometime around March. Right. But the trouble is, their calendar was wrong, because it was a lunar calendar. Right. So you'd lose days basically. Try and keep it brief. Through. Okay. Sorry. So <laughs> Caesar Julius, yeah, of this parish, um, <laughs> he came in and and he put a new calendar in place. Uh, the Julian calendar, which which sort of tried to put January in as the start of the year, but it never really stuck. But but actually, and then was a solar calendar kind of thing, so it, it tried to uh, sort it out. And that's what most countries sort of went with. But then later on, Pope Gregory realised that the calendar was wrong. We were losing days. Pope Gregory, who, st- who started Greg's, I believe. He started Greg's the Bakery. And he established the Gregorian calendar. Of course he did. And so most uh, countries went to that, uh, but Britain stayed stubbornly on the Julian calendar for a long time. Okay. Um, So the Gregorian calendar sort of changed in 1582, but we didn't change till 1752. Uh, And what's more, we had to put in an extra 11 days because by that time our calendar had slipped by 11 days compared to the rest of Europe. Okay. Are you with me? I'm staying with this because you said something kind about me. So, yeah, this is fascinating. <laughs> this is backing well, up is, my point. It is because it explains something else, you see, because what happened in 1752 when they suddenly said, right, today is not whatever. I can't remember when they did yeah. it. Let's say it's not February yeah. the 1st. It's actually yeah. February the 12th. Not only did people riot because they thought 11 <laughs> days had been stolen from their lives. Right? <laughs> But more importantly, the tax people said, hang on a minute, that's 11 days of tax we haven't got. Oh, no. <laughs> so we're going to add 11 days on to this year. Because uh, previously the tax year started on March 25th. But that's why our tax year in the UK starts on April um, the 6th. Whatever, yeah. Because they added it on. Wow, so it all I goes never back to knew that. Time. that. Oh, gosh. Sorry, there's one more thing. Go on. And this is Christian. Part of the reason why March 25th was the new year was because it was the Feast of the Annunciation, which was the conception of Jesus. And so it was tied in with that. It's nine months before Christmas. Well, do you know, it's also making me think, uh, probably very incorrectly, that the 25th is four days after the um, spring equinox and Christmas is four days after the, you know, winter equinox. So I'm sure there's something going on there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there is. And all of that is to say, yes, what a brilliant idea. March forward into the future with Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. We will take you back to the 18th century. And st- <laughs> yes. 
Yes. And let's party like it's 1752. And we were. <laughs> so I think we should have another New Year's episode around March let's do 25th. It. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Great. And then if my theme still works, that's fine. And then from now on, I think uh, we will start the official New Year for this podcast is March 25th. I love this idea. This is brilliant. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Yeah. And we still do our Christmas episode in June. And it's all good. We we just be (laughs) all over the place. It's fantastic. Shall we get on with the feedback? Shall we get some sensible stuff? (laughs) Well, if you you, you think that wasn't sensible, yes. A little hurt, but you know. A lovely email from Peter. Uh, Thank you, Peter, for the email. And well done on catching up. He's caught up on every episode. And congratulations to any other listener who's trawled through the backlog. Medals in the post. Mm. Obviously, the post isn't that reliable at the moment. Yes, and and we don't have any medals. <laughs> yes, but other than that... Metaphorical medals. Metaphorical medals are in the post. Mm. The metaphorical post. Um, <laughs> Mim says... <laughs> well, Mim, Mim also wrote, and she said lots of lovely things to us, but I do want to say to Mim and... Uh, just keep it confidential much love to you and your friends who are now going through a really difficult time at the Mm. moment pete said this hi joe i just listened to the podcast and really enjoyed your rant it's good to hear you getting passionate about something other than owls and sunsets Mm. (laughs) so and then and then um pete's talking about you remember last week i talked about a church down the road that was discussing whether women can lead men and yeah yeah, they can be senior he says well he says this he says there is another perspective and it is this the church down the road realized that the rules constitution or whatever under which they currently operate prohibit women from taking the position of senior minister they thought this was wrong and embarked on a process to see if they could persuade the members to allow them to change it. To avoid continued bickering in the future, they held a vote setting the bar particularly high, 75%. This succeeded, 77% voted yes, and an archaic rule is now no more. I have no axe to grind, as you well know, but for the sake of fairness, thought you might be interested. And, and that's from Pete. And uh, yes, yes. Uh, well, that is uh, for for me, that is a very happy ending uh, to that story. Uh, There's lots I could say, but I think I want to leave the last word with Pete, though. So thank you, Pete. Good perspective. Good to balance my rant. Uh, okay, and also we had this in from Phil. He says, Hi, Joe and Nick. Many thanks for this week's podcast. I'd like to respond to a few things, but I try to be succinct rather than wittering on as I usually do. You never witter, Phil. We love your emails. Anyway, he says, Nick asked about leaving Twitter. He says, I closed my account over a year ago and haven't regretted it. Of course, he has work reasons for being on Twitter that I never had. So I'd just suggest that when the benefits are outweighed by the hassle and angst it causes, it's probably time to go. There really is no need to be there. Mm. So there you are. That's that's a bit of helpful feedback from Phil there for you. Does that help you? Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think uh, I think. I, I I think I am feeling that and I'm not even certain how much sort of work benefits there are to be there. I, I don't know about the podcast. You know, it, we're not very good on social media, are we, on the podcast? No, we're very poor. In fact, we're not even good on the podcast. <laughs> no, on the podcast. To, to be fair, we're brand consistent. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, I think we possibly could at least just put up occasionally, well, what we've done or you know, let, let people know it exists. Yeah. But I think it's the engagement that I think you need to withdraw from because it's not it's not very good for you, really. Absolutely. And then he says, as regards giving thanks, uh, which was another thing we discussed last week, he says, 
it, it is not, of course, that God gives good things to some and withholds them from others. But ultimately, he says, all good things come from God and are the expression of divine love. And because of this, we can give thanks for every good thing. That's good, isn't it? Mm. He said, and then he said, I do appreciate why you feel so strongly about all kinds of discrimination in the church. I won't say understand because I have nothing like your experience of its terrible effects. Nonetheless, I am troubled whenever I hear those on the other side of the debate characterised as homophobic or misogynist. Mm. Of course, some will be, but many others will genuinely be struggling to reconcile a heart that longs to be inclusive with a head that cannot escape what God has seemingly said. And sure, this cognitive dissonance is something that those who have experienced a midlife crisis should understand as well as any um so yeah he says that so love and best wishes phil um I, yeah i i mean if i did characterize those of uh, a different view to me as homophobic or misogynist i i didn't mean you know i i don't think blanket statements like that or inflammatory language is particularly helpful i i i do think it's it's good to understand how people perceive a word like homophobic. So, for example, if if a church declines membership to someone because they're black, they would be racist. If they declined membership to a woman because she's a woman, then I, I, I think that would be fair to say misogynist. And I, I feel like that's clear. I also happen to think that if you exclude someone on the basis of their sexual orientation or you believe that God hates them because of that, then then that would be homophobic. But I also know those within the church who I would not describe as homophobic, but exactly as 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 Phil was saying in that email, there's this real dissonance because they know that God's heart is open and inclusive, but they can't reconcile some of the passages in the Bible that would seem to indicate otherwise. And so I think just to say, well, you're all homophobic because of that is not. But I think it's wise to see how the world perceives it. And I feel like being outside of the church, perhaps even more than you, I, I know that people would perceive the the conversations that are happening and the, and, and the views expressed as homophobic. Whether they're right or not, I don't know, because I don't know enough about the etymology of the word. But I think it is perceived that the church is quite homophobic at times. Um, whatever the nuances that we put on it inside and we say yeah but God loves everyone he just hates sin and do it well you know are, are they included and equal and 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 you know or are they not on the basis of their sexuality and and I, I think most of the world sees it as homophobic if they're not it's complex isn't it well it is and I think I think there's several things here I think it's partly at least how you weaponize these terms you know, in, a, in the tone in which you use them, the term in which you use them, the way if you yeah. if you use a term like that, which is not a descriptive term of someone's position so much as a as a as a way of denigrating oh. them. Yeah, I think that's problematic, and I think mm. it's too easy to do that these days. It's too easy to just label someone yeah who who has a different opinion as being this, which which is a catch-all kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, where you I have agree. yeah you know where you have all, all kinds of people people who 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 generally genuinely and viscerally hate uh, same sex mm. people you know relationships or anything like that on a, on a, on a kind of horrible level yeah with people who are grappling with scripture yes exactly yeah exactly and with their own feelings and i don't think those two are the same kind 
of yeah. of people. So I I think that that is the the main issue for me is that we have to be really careful not to take um you know these kind of terms and 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 sort of weaponize them. I agree. Um, and I think it is to just recognize how how many people. And it's not just about this issue. There's lots and lots of issues yeah, that it's are. about. Yeah. It yeah. might be about reading the Bible. It might be about views of Christ. It might be about things we're going to talk about in this yeah. podcast later on, your view of God and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, people genuinely troubled by a certain perspective, not because yeah. not because of their own feelings, because they, they, they it's part of their view of the Bible, it's part of their view yeah. of Scripture. Sure. They, they, they're struggling genuinely to reconcile all these things. And I think that is a long task that we have to go on with people yeah. a long journey that we have to go on with people and and labeling people either way is not good we we often encounter it don't we in this podcast because we talk about progressive christianity or this that yeah, and the other yeah. it's really hard to find terms that describe something in a way that doesn't actually push down somebody else yes and that's exactly. that's, our, yeah. that's the complexity yeah. here i think yeah okay thank you Okay, so now we're going to come to John's email and we've saved this for a few weeks and I've really wanted to do this email because I think it's interesting and I suspect the contents of it will rumble on for quite some time. But John said this, Hi Joe, I'm glad yours and Nick's podcast exists. I often feel I'm all alone with my weird theology, but Mid-Faith Crisis reminds me that I'm not so bad for having them. I was raised in an evangelical home, but have moved so far from that. And like you, I now wonder where Christianity fits into my belief system. I also wonder if I can still call myself a Christian and would it matter if I'm not? He says, your new creed that was discussed in episode 226, I believe in one God, has spurred me on to writing to you as it's where I landed in 2022 after several years of veering between many variations of faith in the last decade or so. You asked for succinct emails, which I believe this is, but I'm not sure you'll read this one out due to the controversial ideas. However, I would appreciate a reply with your thoughts either way. I did send a reply, by the way. He says, I'm coming around to the belief that the person slash thing we've known as God is really a cosmic benevolent life force that certain humans have been able to, through prayer or meditation, learn from and tell the good news of ultimate goodness and love to people around them. A universal divine force that is always around us. I believe Jesus was such a person who used prayer to access this force, but so did, for example, the Buddha through meditation. Maybe prayer and meditation are the same thing ultimately. I've read that certain recorded sayings by the Buddha were very similar to those of recorded sayings of Jesus. Also, Gandhi's non-violent approach showed a divine influence along with Martin Luther King a few decades later. All these people made lasting differences and had wise, peaceful, universal and truthful teachings that are never out of fashion. Could it be that they all tapped into the life force of love that you now call the divine? And if so, what does that make of Jesus being the Christ? Isn't he just one of the people who tapped into that force? And that's kind regards, John. Well, shall I go first or do you want to go first? <laughs> You go first. Well, I I love it because I think it does bring us back to what do we believe? And more importantly than what do we believe, perhaps, uh, you know, what difference does it make? And um, I I think, you know, I I think I believe in a second simplicity and I'm increasingly feel that I'm 
I'm getting towards that. I'm very grateful for my Christian heritage. You know, I'm grateful for a, a chap called David. I can't remember for the life of me what his second name was. But he shared with me a very evangelical gospel. I mean, really radically fundamentalist evangelical. Mm. Uh, but if he hadn't do that, we might not be friends. And we certainly wouldn't be having this podcast. Yes, I'm really grateful mm. that someone took the bother to share the gospel as they saw it with me because it started me on this whole uh, journey. And I think I was saying last night, you know, I think the gospel of Jesus is radically inclusive. And I think, you know, if I was to boil it down to more than I believe in God, then it would be stand up for truth and justice, love your neighbour and love yourself. But what's interesting was the other night I was out with a group of friends None of them are churchgoers. There was real connection as we spoke. Not about God, but we just spoke about life. We spoke about where we're at in life. We talked about, you know, kind of how we're feeling at the moment. And it, and there was a genuine sense of connection in that curry house <laughs> where we were, <laughs> where we were meeting. And I think I'm right in saying, and you're going to correct me if I'm not, or someone will, um, that the... The etymology of religion is re-ligament. It's re, which I take to mean reconnection. It's about connection. And in that curry house, <laughs> these people who, as far as I know, would not call themselves Christians or anything, there was real connection. There was real connection. We were having good food. We had a lovely chat with the owner. And then we were talking and sharing deeply about ourselves and where we were at. And it felt like what I used to call and still call sacred ground. <laughs> so we didn't talk about Jesus. We didn't talk about giving a life to the Lord. We just, we just talked about death and life and why we're here. And it felt like, do you know, I, the old me would have thought, well, I've got to sort of wriggle this conversation around to Jesus pretty soon, you know, in order to get these people saved. But, but I started to feel like I was doing what I was meant to be doing that night which is mm. loving these people I'm with and just really enjoying connecting at a deep level. And I think all of them would say that was a really special and lovely evening and they want to do it again, you know. So that's by way of saying that I think I see the sacred in everything now. I see the sacred everywhere and all around me and, and in all my relationships now. And and mm. a lot of what John says appeals to me Um but I think probably I want to give you a bit of space to speak because I'm sure you're going to pick up on perhaps, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps well, I, one or two things here. So, yeah. Well, I think what John's email does is it focuses on a thing that's been bubbling around the podcast for, for quite a while in your ruminations about, mm. um, you know, whether to call yourself a Christian. Mm. kind of thing do your your slight discomfort even with that word yeah um and it's one of the things that you you know one of the major themes you have to kind of grapple with in the mid-faith crisis throughout mm. your life actually throughout your faith life is is the person of jesus because mm. i think that's what it's focusing down on here in the sense that what what john is espousing here and and I'm really not here to sort of critique that. That's where John is, yeah, and that's yeah, up to, yeah. you know that's up, that's up to him. That's fine. I'm not going to say whether that's right or wrong. The, the the position is basically theism. 
Mm. So it's a belief in in a god of some kind. Yeah, you know, in, yeah. uh, He calls it the life force, or to use that term. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a, a kind of thing that you find in in, in the works of uh, George Bernard Shaw. You know, this idea they had this idea that yeah. you know the life force was making everything better. So the, it's a sort of cosmic good mm. kind of thing. A higher power. Yeah. Yeah, higher power. Yeah, mm. yeah, and you find it in lots of places. Yeah. And do I believe in a higher power? Yes, of course. You know, I do. Mm. Um, but the issue comes down to you still got to come down to the the idea of, of Christian belief. Yes. What is what is it that makes it Christian? What puts the Christ in Christian, as it were? Yes. You know, and, and that is what do you really think of Jesus? And um, so 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 Christian belief, classical Christian belief, is trinitarian. It's yeah. it's it's not just that Jesus was inspired; he was part of the source of inspiration. Yeah. He was inspiration itself, um, mm. and and that I think is it's it's very difficult to to work out completely, and it's very hard mm. to, to work it out. And and Christian history is full of people of, of of the church splitting over these minute definitions <laughs> of how yeah, how Christ so. was God or whether yeah. he was, you know, was he a, same as God? Was he slightly yeah. below God? Was he, you know, was he in the the Ryman's Premier League, or whatever it's called now, was he <laughs> much further down? Um, yeah, exactly. And I think that's something we all have to sort of grapple with. I think what what we can possibly sort of agree with it along the way is that the some of the old issues, the mm. old ways of saying the role of Christ, describing the role of Christ, don't really work for us anymore. Um, that that idea that unless you go fully into the kind of um the the, the sort of right belief the the orthodoxy about christ you're not saved i don't yes, know sure. really for me yeah that, that yeah. doesn't work anymore so yeah. the idea of of course god can speak in any number yeah. of ways to any number of people and there is good to be found in any number of other faiths yeah i still want to as a christian i still want to sort of cling to the primacy of christ in some way um does yeah. that make sense it, it it does make sense. I mean, like I said, I think this email may well rumble on for the rest of the year now as people engage engage with it. I This is how I think about it. I feel really, like I say, genuinely grateful for my Christian roots. I think Jesus was a manifestation of the Christ. But I do find it quite helpful to sort of slightly separate Jesus of Nazareth, the man, the fully human man, and the Christ, which I do see a bit like John as the cosmic force, the power behind it all. And it's very hard to love a force. It's so impersonal and it's so. In so the gift Christians are given is the person of Jesus. And you can love a person. And I do love a person, you know, Jesus. And, you know, Jesus is that you know if if you've seen jesus you've seen the father uh, so so jesus is our window into the, into falling in love with and and perhaps even beginning to understand something that is completely un incomprehensible for our tiny human minds so i'm very happy to venerate jesus when it comes into the trinity and what was his special role i I, I sort of am of the opinion now, and, and I'm sure this sort of heresy has got a name, because uh, I can't be the first person to think this, that Jesus is inviting us into the life of the Trinity too. 
Well, presumably it wouldn't be called the Trinity then. <laughs> well, there's an old um, sort of orthodox uh, idea that uh, we are the fourth person of the Trinity. Yeah. That, that as we enter into the life of the Trinity, I think that's exactly right, that we are entering mm. into that. I don't think that's, an, that's a heresy. I think you're closer to heresy in your splitting off of the natures of Jesus. Yes, yeah, and, sure, and, and, yeah, and, no, I'm closer I, to heresy. I'm using that yeah. ironically, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Just me. say before, before <laughs> takes me seriously. But that is, you know, a lot of um, what was called uh, Gnosticism was based on the idea that there was a human and yeah. there was a and there was a god, and the god put on a human onesie, and <laughs> and and so all the bad things were done to the human onesie, while the god was inside feeling, oh god, like I'm okay, you know. And at okay. its most extreme, you get um, something like uh, I think it's Docetism, or, or, or um, was it, the, it might have even been the Basilians. Anyway, somebody who, who who thought that actually at the crucifixion. The god had had taken off the onesie and was actually sitting on a tree nearby laughing while the onesie was crucified. I'm loving this idea of a human onesie. Thank um, you. And, Thank and, you for putting it in terms I can understand. Well, there you are. And and that is profoundly not what the incarnation is all about. <laughs> no, absolutely. A hundred percent not. And and if it was, it, it, it couldn't possibly be of any benefit to us. You know, that's the that's the point. Um so we can't answer because nobody ever has answered how the incarnation works <laughs> in the same way as nobody's ever really answered how the Trinity works. It just no. sort of seems to be right. And <laughs> until it doesn't. <laughs> well, it, it both does and doesn't at the same time. Isn't it? it's, like, it's like quantum theology. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, so I think that for me, the person of Jesus, the figure of Jesus mm is crucial and mm. and as we often said we quote that michael ramsey quote god is christ-like and in him there is no unchrist-likeness at all i love that in him there is no unchrist-likeness at all which means that there is not a bit of god that is sort of different in a way to jesus mm. yeah um they are the same really. but i sort so, of think i think john was hinting at that he was saying that jesus was so well identified with the with the force, are we starting to sound like a Star Wars episode now, isn't yes, it? Indeed. But you know, we're yes. so well identified with the cosmic force that actually, um, that's where his whole credibility comes from. I agree with you that I think it's slightly, um, it's slightly messing with the doctrine of incarnation then, because Jesus was not fifty percent God and fifty percent man, and we never want to say that. 100% of God became 100% man. That's what we want to say. But it's back to that thing that we talked about before. But what what ontologically is the difference between Jesus and you and me? Because I'm a human and Jesus was a human. But he was revealing Christ. And therefore, surely, if Jesus was revealing Christ, that must mean I can reveal Christ too. And what if our very stuff, the very things we're made of, is God? Because you know what? The question is never, do I believe in God? The question is, do I believe in in you know any, anything else you know, what mm. if what if god is in all and everything a bit like your prayer at the beginning what if the fact is the whole universe is just made up with the stuff of christ of which i'm a part and so was jesus well i think again the sort of classical orthodox tradition is that god became man so that man can become god and not in a kind of godlike yeah. manner you know not in that sort of i'm going to stride around smiting stuff but, but that self-emptying that, yeah. that we could become 
um, divine in in that way. Jesus invites us into that thing. Now, again, there's so many questions about that that uh, that it sort of uh, melts your brain slightly. But <laughs> but um, but I think that it, it comes down to this, and maybe this is something for us to think about um, mm. for the remainder of this old year until we reach the new year in, yes, in March 25th. Indeed. Um, to think, well, what what do we think of Christ? Because it, I, I I say that because I know it's something that you've been. Yeah, you know, the, no, the, it's, exactly. it's just yeah. coming across in your in your words and your questions, and you know, it would seem that on the journey up towards Easter is a good time to think about um, Christ and 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 who he was, yeah, and is, and to end up with an Easter that doesn't necessarily require some kind of penal substitutionary atonement theory. So there we are. That's where we're going. <laughs> not that you, not that you've prejudged it in any way. Not that you no, know where you're going. no, not at all. <laughs> so listen, if this episode has done your head in, let's let's land this with something really practical. If you want to know what to do with all of this, here's a suggestion: be kind to yourself and be patient to yourself, and then be kind and patient with those who are around you at this time. And uh, that may well be following in the footsteps of the Christ. Well, thank you very much for listening. And uh, <laughs> yes. certainly done my head in. I don't know about <laughs> else. Um, yeah, we will be back with you next week. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank you for writing in. Thank you for yes. recommending it to others. Thank you in Denmark. Thank you yes. wherever you are. Um, <laughs> we look forward to being with you next week. See you then. Cheers. Thank you.